welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Good afternoon now, everyone. I hope you're well. Praise the Lord. What a service. And uh, what a quality. I have to say, the, the, that song was beautiful. From beginning to end, there's just been a richness of God's presence. And we are, we are really blessed to have the, uh, the, the, it's not just the talent, it's the people with the heart behind the talent that convey Christ. And uh, we're so thankful when we come in here, we're enriched by the presence of the Lord. Again, just welcome those newcomers here and second timers, third timers. Get to know us. Give us a chance to love you. Stay around a while today. Talk to some folks. And folks, church, you need to look after those new people that come in, right? Um, remember when they stand up every Sunday, make it a practice to make, a, make an effort to go and see them and uh, talk to them. And uh, we had a great week this last week with fasting and prayer. I don't know about you, but uh, God used that so mightily in my own life. And actually, the, the word that I'm going to bring today came out of that, uh, the Holy Spirit speaking very directly something into my heart. It was a real challenge and uh, produced some brokenness, but brought some healing. And, uh, and God is still uh, moving in that. And, and it was all through that time of walking softly before the Lord and uh, gathering together and, and talking and listening and uh, waiting on the Lord. And so we're thankful for that. I do have a, a, an update for you. We don't talk much about feed cork. Uh, we just do the work and get on with it. And that's kind of what we do. A lot of things in the church, we don't, we, we, you know, and it's my own fault more than anybody else's, but we see God do something almost every week. God is just moving and uh, but I would, be, I would be wrong to not come and just give you the most recent update. God has done something just this last week, actually it was on Friday, that, uh, that has been something that the Lord has led us into it was about three years ago. God put it in, the, in our hearts to start uh, feeding children on the weekends, the children that attend desk schools that are the most uh, deprived those that, are, that, that come to school hungry on a Monday, there's no food in the house. And people, believe me, there, there are kids in the city that are like that. They're neglected through whatever reason, for whatever reason. And it was on our hearts uh, three or four years ago to start that project. We had a word from the Lord that that was going to go forward. And uh, we started about three years ago. We had to stop it because it became too successful. And we couldn't continue it the way that, that we were doing it. And so it was always this thing of how we're going to feed kids on the weekends, and we need to be able to give them food that they don't have to prepare themselves. Many of them wouldn't have the capacities to do so. And so uh, we, we were praying, you know, for a kitchen here that we would put in here, and we would prepare the, the meals and get them out on a Friday, deliver them up to the houses, build relationships with the parents and the kids, and hopefully have an opportunity to share the gospel and share Christ with them, but one after one thing after another, just that just kept getting blocked, and uh, and we had uh, during this time there was a, a, a very kind, I believe it's a, a man that God has touched. He's asked me not to mention his name, uh, but he wants to get involved. He he owns a very large 
a company that caters to, he's about 121 sites all over Ireland now. He does about 50,000 meals a week to employees of different places. Uh, but he, he got in touch with us on Friday, and uh, he is committed to, to feed up to 250 families on the weekend. And uh, they'll prepare the food. That's a miracle. Uh, the heart of generosity, you can see the hand of God in the whole thing. We don't have to have the compliances of a kitchen, hire it out. They're going to prepare all the meals, box them up, put all the labeling on it, the whole nine. And uh, we're going to pick them up and we're going to go into places where the healing hand of God needs to go. And the places where children are broken and families need the gospel. And it's given us a massive, God has put before us a massive open door. And he's trusted us. There's about 25 deaf schools in court that are interested in this program. We're going to pilot it up in the north side first. And the most deprived deaf school, we're actually going up there in the next week or so. He's bringing a team of chefs in. Uh, and they're going to come in with all their hats, and they're going to let a, a class taste the food. The kids are going to choose what's going to go out on the weekend. And so we're so delighted. God is amazing. God is amazing. And uh, those that you are giving, uh, we try and send out emails and, and get to you, but this is an update. God is moving, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to, to going up and meeting our first clients, getting to know families, and we know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. The gospel is going to go forward. So we're so thankful. Keep us in prayer, would you? Because I do. this is an open door. And uh, we need prayer. So we're so thankful for that. God is good. And um, I'm glad to be able to share that with you. And uh, finally see that vision come to start to come to pass. And uh, what the impact it's going to make in our city. Amen. Amen. This morning... Um, I just want to share a title with you. Uh, I gave it to Jess this morning. Healing is in the house. That's the title of the message. Um, <clears throat> how many of you believe that in God's house, and I'm speaking of the church, I'm not talking about this physical be building. We could, we could meet out in a parking lot, and that's where God's house would be. But speaking of the church, how many of you believe this morning that it should be a house of healing? If, if you believe that, raise your hand if you believe that this should be a house of healing right? Do you believe that? I, I believe that, that every believer that is, that's ever encountered the touch of God would, would think that the, the house of God should be a house of healing. And, and I'm not talking exclusively about physical healing and physical manifestation. That's part of the package, right? But, but, uh, but mending of lives, putting lives back together. Uh, I'm talking about your body. I'm talking about your mind. I'm talking about your heart your emotions, your relationships, reconciling your past and reconciling you to your future. How many of you believe that that's part of the will of God in his house? That when we come in here, this is a house of restoration. It's a place where burdens are released and, and chains can be broken. Uh, that's what the house of God is. It's, it's a place where people that hearts that have been neglected hearts that have been wounded, hearts that have been rejected can come and they can experience the wholeness of God. And in experiencing the wholeness of God, there is, a, there is an outpouring and a covering that takes place and there's a ministry of the Holy Spirit, an anointing that begins to heal. 
And it, and it may not happen instantaneously. Praise God for those that it does happen to that way. But oftentimes it's just prolonged exposure in the house that God does a healing. That God heals us from rejection and traumas and different things in our lives. And Isaiah 61 describes the ministry of Christ. And uh, you want to look at that real quick, but it's Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4. Uh, it, says, it says that there's a ministry of healing, a ministry of freedom that is found in Christ, and that that continuation of that ministry is carried on that of those that have been healed by him. So it's not just an anointing that he has, that he heals, but there's an anointing that when, when he heals us, he fills us with the same spirit of healing, and that healing goes forth out of our lives into, the, into, our, into our families, into our communities, into our nation. Listen to what Isaiah said in prophesying about the ministry of Christ. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and to the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Beauty for ashes are those places in our lives that have been burned out and desolated and decimated by sin, by the sin of our own doing and the sin of others around us. God says, I will give you beauty in those places that were burned out. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, so that those that get healed, those that get delivered, those that get touched by this anointing would be planted and become the trees of righteousness. They would be called the planting of the Lord, right? That he might be glorified. And listen to this verse. This is you and I. After the healing, after the touch, after being planted, and they, everybody say, and they. And let's say, and we. Shall build the old ways. Hallelujah. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities. How many of you believe this afternoon that Cork is in need of some repair? Hallelujah. How many of you believe that when we look around that there's a lot of waste in the city? There's a lot of, there's a lot of damage. There's a lot of things that have been torn down through the generations and as a result of sin, as a result of wickedness, as a result of, uh, of failure. And it says, they shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. Isn't that wonderful? Many generations. God says, I'm going to use a generation to restore in one generation what has been lost through many generations. That's a powerful, powerful word. But it's a word to us. And, and through this house, there's a continuation of life. There's a succession of ministry in this earth. From the day of Pentecost till now, the church has been a succession of the ministry of Christ. Going highly anointed by God, going about doing good, destroying the works of the devil. <clears throat> and we have been entrusted with the same anointing. 
the same life-giving spirit to build waste places, to repair the desolation that has been ongoing for generations. This is what the word says. In you and in me, there's a life-giving spirit. In this house, there's healing in this house. And through that healing, God desires to rebuild and restore and renew through you and me. Right there where you are in all of our limited capacities, maybe limited giftings and things where we limit ourselves. God says, don't limit yourself. Don't limit me on what I can do through your life to rebuild the waste places. Because this is the plan of God. In the the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel saw an end-time temple that I believe was a prophetic vision of the church. And out of that, out of that temple flowed a river of healing water. And that healing water went down into the dark places and into the desolate places and into the Dead Sea. And, and wherever it touched on the banks, life sprang up. Life came up. And, and that's the history of the church. That out of her, out of his bride, out of his body would flow a healing stream that would bring life. And this is our inheritance. It's your calling. It's my calling. It's what God is saying to us, that we are to be a house of healing for families. Amen? Amen. For our communities, for our city, and ultimately for our nation. How many of you know it's God's heart to pour through this church a healing stream? Do you believe that? I do believe that. We're broken, rejected, tormented, lonely, forsaken people can find rest for their souls. Where there can be forgiveness, where there can be restoration, where there can be peace. And that's the heart of God, that there would be healing in this house. And we've seen that. We've been watching as, as God has been restoring lives, here a little, there a little. Hearts and minds are being healed by the Holy Spirit. There are people here this morning, you weren't even here a year ago, but God has touched your life, and he is in a process of healing you and delivering you. And we are seeing that, and, it, and we see it happening in our midst. And it's in all of our hearts to see that grow in demonstration. It's in all of our hearts to wish that this would be a, as, as it were, a Holy Spirit hospital where people came and they were exposed to the overwhelming love of God, where they were exposed to the healing power of Christ, where they're exposed to his word. They're exposed to a body that gives grace and comfort and strength. And in through that, and in that consistency, there would be something that is dynamic and people would be touched in a very real way. And today I just want to share something from the word. It's just something that the Lord has put on my heart uh, to hope to encourage that, to breathe a little bit, you know, to blow on the coals a bit of your heart and my heart by the Holy Spirit to encourage healing in the house because healing is already in this house. Amen. You don't have to go to a conference. You don't have to go online and listen to a prophet. You don't have to go to a school of healing. There is healing in this house because where Jesus is, there's healing. It's here. Right now. Hallelujah. You don't have to go to school for it. You've got it in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And and the Holy Spirit challenged me very strongly this last week in this area. And and he uprooted some very distorted, how we say, values 
and, and, and views in my life and some things that I had allowed to, to get hold of my heart and unbeknownst and unnoticed and, and really in ignorance and blindness. And the Holy Spirit, through those days of prayers and fasting, through some, some my own encounters, he challenged me very deeply in this. And so, and, and he used the scripture in 1 Corinthians 11. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 11, 17 through 34. And uh, he used this to open up my eyes, to show me some blind spots, to bring conviction in a, in a way, to, to bring change and to change some values and, uh, and hopefully put me on a new path. And, and, and put me on a, on a, on a better path. But, but this is a very familiar passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 11, 17-34. Now, most of the time that we visit here, it's only for two verses, right? It's for the Lord's table, and we just quote those verses, two or three verses, and we don't really deal with it in its context. But when you get into this, you're going to find that it's a bit prickly. So bear with me, all right? Get your tweezers ready, okay? Because it's going to get a bit prickly. It's going to get a bit prickly, but you'll understand what the Holy Spirit is saying. So you have to work with me this morning. Open your ears and your heart to hear. Sometimes you've got to eat the locust with the honey. Amen. <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to take the bitter with the sweet and so that there's a balance. And there's a balance here. There's something here that the Holy Spirit dropped into my heart. And I want to give it to you this morning because remember, I want to fan the flames of healing. I want to fan the flames of restoration. And uh, we're going to look at those two main verses in 29 and 30, but I want to read this entire 17 to 34 just to frame it and put it in context, if you'll let me do that. So starting verse 17, 1 Corinthians 11, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. Everybody say, but for the worse. That can't be good. <laughs> You're meeting together. And it's not turning out for the better, it's turning out for the worse. Think about that. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. <clears throat> for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal, one goes hungry, one gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I've received from the Lord. Now we get into the familiarity. <sighs> Breathe a little bit. That got a little intense. For I've received of the Lord. That would also deliver to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he come. All right. Take a deep breath. We're going into 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then as, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
Verse 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have even died prematurely. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at a home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things I will give direction when I come. Now, before we get into these two verses, I mentioned about discerning the body of Christ there in 29 and 30, because we're going to go back to that in just a moment. But this whole passage is a larger letter that Paul wrote to address some very serious problems that were happening in this fledgling church in Corinth. And Paul had received a letter of alarm and concern from a, from a lady named Chloe or those of her household. Now, we don't know, if you study this out, we don't know if she was a friend or a foe. This could have been written to help Paul. It could actually be written as an accusatory letter to his poor and his lack of leadership and looking for a leadership change. We don't know. But this lady wrote a, wrote a laundry list of excesses that were going on in the church. And it could have been with a personal indictment against him. We don't know. We don't really know whether she was for or against Paul. All we know is that someone in that church, out of either a good heart or a bad heart, wrote a letter. And in it, there's this concern of all the things that are taking place in Corinth. And boy, were there a lot of them. There were a lot of things that were going on in this church, and the church is only about three or four years old. So this is a toddler church, okay? This is a very young church in a very important city with a lot of cultural pressures. There's a lot. It's an uphill battle in Corinth straight away, straight away. And in this portion of the letter, Paul begins to address this massive division that had formed and was really being made manifest at one of the most sacred times for the church to gather coming around the table of the Lord. So they were coming around the table of the Lord, and at that time, Paul says, when it should be a great time of show of unity and love, it's actually a billboard, and it, uh, uh, and it is highlighting the division that is there. It is highlighting what is wrong in your midst. It is highlighting these things. Am I okay? Is it, okay, good. So there's a highlight of this going on around the table of the Lord. And so the table of the Lord, instead of a time of healing and restoration and rejoicing, it is a time of division. It is a time of pain. Some people are left out. Some are left off into the shadows. Some are looking there. They're bewildered. They're wondering what have I signed up to? What's going on? Uh, why do I feel alone? Why do I feel ostracized? While others are just enjoying themselves. Others are just making merry. Others are just gorging and eating and, uh, and drinking and even to excess. Paul says some of you are, are using the table of the Lord and you're getting drunk. So there's these things happening. Keep in mind before we cast a stone at this young church that it is a young church, right? But God was at work there. God was at work in the middle of all that mess, in the middle of all of that, what we would consider compromise and was compromised, God was at work, just like he was in your life when you were probably two or three years old in the Lord, and all of your mess, and all of your compromises, and all of the weaknesses. God was still at work, and he didn't condemn you, but he helped you through it, amen? 
So it's no different in the life of a church. And, and <clears throat> this, in this time, uh, there was this display of arrogance and hurt and division. And it got so serious that Paul says, now God has stepped in. Listen to what he tells them. He says, now God has stepped in and he's begun to draw a line. Your behavior has become so excessive, it's affecting your health. God has stepped in. And, and there are many uh, among you that are weak, that are sick, and some have died prematurely as a result of this massive breach in worship. Paul says in verse 29 that God has stepped in and he's withheld his healing, restorative hand, because the people weren't discerning the Lord's body. That's what he says. Because you've not discerned properly the Lord's body, God has stepped in and brought judgment. He's brought this to chastise you, to correct you. Some of you are ill. Some of you are weak. And guess what? Some of you even died prematurely because you've not discerned God's body. And that's a pretty serious thing. When, it's, when people's health begins to get touched, when these things begin to happen, and there, was a, there was a lack of virtue, a lack of power, a lack of healing, because God's people weren't seeing something clearly. Paul tells us that this lack of discernment is something that can have adverse effects, amen? When you lack discernment, guess what? It affects you. When you lack discernment, a lot of times, you're the one that pays for it more than anybody else. It has personal consequences when I lack discernment. And when you study this portion of Scripture, many people have different interpretation of what this means. And I'm not here to, to argue or to, to bring up something new, not at all. But, but just to kind of look at this, some people, most people, if you, if you read back at the older commentaries, uh, they would tell you that the, the, these Corinthians were coming to receive communion with unrepentant sin in their heart and in their lives, and they were living in willful sin against God and brazenly, without any remorse or regret, taking the bread and the wine to drink. They weren't discerning what was in the cup and in the bread, and they were being punished by God as a result. Now, that would be a mainline belief of this scripture, of what it means. And, and to be honest, for years, that was what I believed. That is a, that's what I would have thought. That's what, that's, that is how I viewed that portion of scripture, that if I allow things into my personal life and in the life of my ministry, uh, you know, that, that, I come around the table of the Lord with a hardness that, that I'm going to be judged, that there's going to be some, some, reper, some repercussions in that. And it would bring me to a place where I would examine my heart. And, I, and, and I'm not against that. I'm not, this is not a message against that, believe me. But if, if I had any unconfessed sin, or if I had hurt anyone, or if I had done anything wrong, I wouldn't take that cup. And I would go and make things right. And there's some truth around this. There's some truth around this. I don't take away from holding the table of the Lord in high esteem. And, I, and I'm so glad in this church that's what we do. We esteem the table of the Lord. And it's not something that we come into at just lightly and we don't examine ourselves and we don't look at ourselves and, and, and make sure that we're not living in contradiction and trying to, trying to bring that before the Lord, right? We do that. But, but in this context, this is not what Paul is dealing with. That's not what he's addressing here. That's not what he's saying. It wasn't that they lacked discernment as to what the bread and the wine meant. They knew exactly what the body was. They knew exactly what it was. 
They knew that that bread represented his body broken. They knew what Paul had taught them about the gospel. They knew the wine. They were celebrating that. They were celebrating the wine and the bread. They discerned the bread right. They discerned the wine right. But they understood the symbolism. They understood the broken body, the cleansing blood. They discerned the bread and the wine and everything that it meant. And and Paul is very clear why healing and why virtue was not flowing freely in Corinth. And it had to do with a very dark value system that had crept into their lives. One that God had to step in personally and correct. And this was a very serious issue. When God, whenever God steps in to correct an issue like this on this scale, it's an important issue. Amen? When God brings this level of correction... And throughout the Bible, you see whenever there are great manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So we have to read this in context. Whenever there are great outpourings and demonstrations of the Holy Spirit, there were great healings happening in Corinth. There were great outpourings and baptisms and salvations and prophecies and miracles and signs and what Paul said himself. I came to you in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. There are miracles, there are signs, there are wonders happening. So we have to frame what Paul is talking against the backdrop of a Holy Spirit outpouring, okay? And into that, into that, what they knew, what they knew to be truth, and what they, what they knew to grasp and see as, as God's spirit, God had to bring a greater measure of correction. With greater revelation comes a greater measure of correction. That's just the way that it is. Look at the Old Testament in the wilderness. Aaron's sons, we, we read about them offering strange fire and, and, and how they were consumed when they did it. But folks, they were living under a glory cloud. They were living, they'd wake up in the morning and there'd be a, a, a pillar of smoke above them. There would, there would be a, a fire at night that kept them warm. There were, their shoes weren't waxing old. They were eating angels' food. So in the context of all of that revelation, they offered strange fire. What was God to do? You see it in the New Testament church in Ananias and Sapphira. Great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And yet God had to bring a demarcation that this love of money that is the root of all evil, Jesus said, cannot be at the heart of my church. I've got to deal with it. I've got to deal with this thing. And so Ananias and Sapphira, in the, in the light of a greater revelation, in the light of everything that happened, God judged them. And God brought, he drew a fence around. He said, this is not going to happen here. So he had to bring a clear, and this is exactly what's happening here. God is ring fencing the table of the Lord, all right? God is saying, there are certain things I do not allow at my table, and what you're dealing with is is one of them. And what what you're dealing with would cause me to step in and cause me to move and remove healing virtue and restoration. And uh, so the Lord steps in, and, and, he, and he was saying to them, Paul says, I see something gripping your hearts that cannot continue around my table. I've got to step in. I've got to defend. I've got to put this fence about this time of, of, of communion. You can't like discernment of my body and experience healing and a continuation of blessing. God says it's impossible. That's what he's saying. You, you, you have to be able to discern what my body is. If you want healing and if you want restoration, if you want the fullness of everything that God has for you, 
it's important that you discern his body. What does it mean to lack discernment? What does that mean when we talk about this word discernment? It simply means that you don't see the way God sees in simplicity. You don't see things the way God sees them. You're blinded to that. And you're lacking that knowledge. You're lacking that vision. You're ignorant of that. You don't have the discernment. That's what Paul is saying. You have a wrong view of something. And in this case, something of Corinth had become part of the table. And this is what was going on. We're going to begin to look at it now. Something of Corinth had corrupted the Corinthian church and had begun to encroach around the table of the Lord this time of communion. And it was affecting the body. And God says, no, I'm not going to allow this to affect my body. I'm going to step in now. I'm going to fight for my testimony. I'm going to fight for the little ones. I'm going to fight for, my, for the testimony of Christ in Corinth. And so God begins to move and moved his hand. And Paul hears in Corinth that many are weak physically. And we said that. What was the Holy Spirit getting at? And when you read this portion in entirety, you see that the Corinthian church had begun to Corinthianize the table of the Lord, which meant as you study in history, they had begun to turn it into a copy of what was common Corinthian practice in those days. So they just basically began to do what was popular in the city and adapt it in their church setting and began to Corinthianize their worship. That's what was happening. And, and Paul says, you like discernment and you're paying the price. And the Corinthians were known for their feasts. They were known for it. Where there was loads of eating, loads of alcohol, in the, in, the, in the secular sense, they would drink and, and, and eat and vomit and eat. And there was all of this just gross debauchery, gluttony, and all of these, the feeding of the flesh. And then they would bring in the prostitutes and drink some more. And I mean, if you read about it, I won't even share from the pulpit some of the things. I was studying, I cannot believe rape and pedophilia. All of this stuff was happening in Corinth at their feast. And this had begun to get into the feast, into the communion around the table of the Lord. This had begun to take roots there. And Paul says, brothers, you're not discerning my body. You're bringing in everything from Corinth into this, and I've got to stand up. And, and in this place, not only was all that debauchery, but all the wealthy and all the arrogant and all the proud and all the ones with, with, with substance and ability would be at the front of the line. They would be at the front of the queue. And there, and there was this, this hierarchy that was going on and taking place. And so those people were given the best seats. And then as you, as you got further and further away and got into the cheap seats at Corinth, you didn't get anything. The, the closer you got to the front, the more, or, or around the, the feasting table, the more you got. The, 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 the bigger the portions and so the poor wound up being ostracized and not even allowed to come to these feasts. So the more important you were, the more food you got. So if you were at the head of a table, you got large portions. If you were in the nosebleed section, you got very little to eat. So it's thought the Corinthian Christians were having these large banquets, eating lots of food, drinking lots of wine, and the best seats were reserved for the wealthy, and they were served first. <clears throat> and at the end of all the food and wine, they would take communion, and the poor would only receive the basic bread and wine. So the people that were actually hungry, the people that actually came in there with their bellies rumbling, all they were relegated to was the bread and the wine. They weren't fed. 
So the culture had begun to bleed into the table of the Lord. And those that were precious to the Lord, those who that blood that they are celebrating, that body that they said that was broken for, those that Jesus had died for couldn't come close. They were ostracized. They were put out. They were, they were put to the back. And this caused massive hurt, massive division. <clears throat> this is why Paul said to them, you aren't seeing the body the way that God sees the body during communion. That's what he said to them. You don't see the body the way God sees it. You, you have a Corinthianized view and you've adapted that into this worship service and into this system and now it is perverting your discernment. You understand the elements, but you don't discern his body. My body is present in the poor. My body is present all around your tables, heavy with food, and you can't see it. Think about it. You're leaving behind and excluding those that I gave my blood for and I broke my body for. You may understand the symbolism, but you don't know my heart. Wow. I understand the symbolism, but I don't understand the heart of God. I'm blinded to it. I'm going through the motions, and I'm thinking, man, God's okay with this. God's all right with this. He's not, as they say in the South, he ain't okay with it, you know? He's not okay with it. God wasn't okay with it. And, and, and this is why God begins to move in. You've got the symbolism, but you don't know my heart. You might know the theology. You might know the truth behind it, but you are, you are not seeing people the way I see people. You're not caring the way that I care. My heart is back there in the corner with that poor mother and father that came in to worship me. That elderly widow that made her way in. That lonely person, that lonely young person trying to get their life straightened out. That single mom trying to herd her young ones into the house. That immigrant that just moved to the city and speaks broken Greek. That retired sex worker that came to Christ and is struggling to put food on her table because she has rejected that lifestyle and now she is forced to work and it's very hard for her. You are neglecting my body. You are neglecting it. You've not discerned my heart. You've missed my heart completely. And this is what the Lord says, I'm going to let healing dry up. I'm going to let health dry up until you get your eyes and your values right. That's what God is saying. That's why Paul is saying you've not discerned the body of Christ. You've not discerned it properly. Now, I've taken you through this passage for a reason. For a reason. And I want to say proudly, and I, not in a, in a puffed up way, but in a very genuine way, I do not believe that court church is like Corinth. That's not why I brought this here this morning. Matter of fact, I think the opposite. I see God doing some amazing things here. I see love growing. I see kindness is growing. I see the Holy Spirit as it should be filling us and, and moving us. But I've only felt to use this picture to provoke you, to inspire you. If God dried up his virtue from a people that didn't discern his body fully, what do you think 
God would do if we started to more fully discern Jesus' body here. Hallelujah. I don't use it as a rebuke, but I want you to think just a moment. What would happen in our city? What would happen here in our midst if we began to discern the body of Christ? If we begin to see people differently, if we begin to have the heart of God, the heart of heaven for the people that we meet, if we, t- if we started to see each other differently, if we started to love and care for each other more passionately, with, with, with more intention, to see the single moms, to see the elderly, the immigrants, the loners, the students, each other's with God's eyes. What do you think would happen if God washed our eyes and we saw a little bit more clearly? Pastor Nick, I would tell you this house would just be flourishing with more and more of the healing virtue of Christ. I believe that. This is set here as an example of what not to do, but it's also telling you that if you do discern and if you do have the heart of God, you can expect healing in your midst. Hallelujah. You can expect God to touch people. You can begin to expect God to heal hearts. You can begin to expect God to do great things in your midst when you begin to look at people through the eyes of Christ. And there are two things as I close out that when we receive God's heart and when we begin to discern the body of Christ, who they are around us. There are two things I believe that begin to happen that we begin to give. And it's very simple. Paul said, one of them, he says, you're not waiting on each other. You're not giving anybody time. You're hurrying through this. You don't care if they get served. You don't care about their needs. All you care is you're coming, you're eating, and you're heading away. You're coming to the table, you're eating, you're drinking the wine, you're not even waiting on that. What about the person that, that just came in the door late because they've got young ones in tow? What about the, the, the elderly person who had to take three buses to get here and they struggled to get through the door? What about the immigrant that couldn't find your building and, and when they did get there, they couldn't talk, they didn't have enough English to express themselves? What about them? What about them? I think it's very clear. Paul says you need to give people time. You're not waiting. You need to give them time. Folks, what would time and attention do? What does that cost us? A little time? A little attention? Putting away the old phone? Listening to people? What are you hurrying to? What are we hurrying to? What pressures do we really have that make us hurry past one another? It's time that we start to listen to each other. It's time that we start to get to know each other. It's time that we start to give grace to one another. I was sitting down there this morning and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And it was about that, you know that verse where, where God spoke to, to Paul and he says, Paul was going through, you know, the, the, the thorn in the flesh and all that. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. You know as a young minister, I used to think, oh, that, that means God's just going to meet him in prayer and when he's all alone and all of that. No, it's more than that. How many of you know you're a grace to me and I'm a grace to you? 
I'm going to put people in your life that are going to support you. I'm a grace. You're a grace to me. You're a grace to me. I think there's somebody here, I won't, I won't call them out, but with a little time and attention, he wound up not going in the river this last year. Somebody gave him some time. Somebody gave him attention. And the things that God did in his life are amazing. He's, he's here today. I'm not going to call him out, but he not only got saved and came to the Lord, he got a new apartment. He's going into a, 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 an extended program now back into UCC. God supplies. Why? Because somebody, and I'm thankful, and I'm not saying it was me. It wasn't me. It was another individual who has great time for people. Showed him a lot of attention. And he's here today and not in the river because somebody showed him and discerned the body of Christ. Jesus said, if you've given to the prisoner, if you visited the prisoner, you visited me. Jesus said, if you fed the hungry, you fed me. Folks, we need to see that. That when we help each other, we're helping Christ. We're discerning the body of Christ. And we're a grace to each other. Amen? I'm a grace to you in your time of need, and you're grace to me in my time of need. It's not just some feeling that you get alone in worship. I need to be with people that know the Lord and love the Lord. I need to, you know, as ministers, we gathered this last Tuesday and started praying together. It was one of the most beautiful times we've ever had, I felt like, in my life here as a pastor. It just flowed. The love poured out. And we were a grace to each other. We're a grace to one another. It's not just a feeling. It's each other. We're a grace and we're in this together. And we need to see and we need to discern with the heart of God everybody that comes in here. And not value people what they can do for us or what they can offer us. But we need to have the heart of God and to discern the body. And this is what I felt from the Lord. I'm going to close with this. God challenged my heart this week, and it was very unpleasant. I went through a lot of brokenness, and I realized I hadn't valued the body. I hadn't seen the body. I hadn't seen him. To discern the body, you don't wound it. You don't ignore it. You don't talk about it, but you nourish it. You care for it. You see to it that there's no one left behind that wants to go on the journey. I have to ask you, are you discerning the body of Christ? Are you evaluating, are you valuing those around you? And is virtue flowing from you? Or do you need any healing this morning? This afternoon? Are you are you discerning the body of Christ? I hope you are. If not, it's time. What I love in the book of James, it says, come, brethren, let's confess our faults one to another. Pray, and the Bible says that healing comes. Isn't that wonderful? I want us to stand in prayer and close in prayer and give us an opportunity. This is a challenge to me, folks. I don't want to pass over people. Hallelujah. I think Pastor Nick spoke a message last, late last year about this, but it's just a... Just a to see Christ in the poor, to see Christ in the people around you, to see the potential, to see it, to see them here first. It starts at home. Charity begins at home to the household of faith. 
that we're to begin to take care of one another, care for one another, not just the pastoral team, not just us, because you can get really disappointed if you just rely on a few group of men to do all the loving, all the caring. This is a body. This is a body ministry. And as we reach out and as we love one another, those single moms, those older folks, those immigrants, all of those folks, guess what? There's going to be a healing. There's going to be released. And there's going to be an encouragement. And there's going to be a shout, continue shout in this house of victory. Amen. I just want to pray with you right now. I'm praying for myself for more discernment, the ability to see Christ more, and the ability to love more. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you now. Lord, I don't want to be Corinthianized. I don't want to be that one, Lord, who passes by, ignores, turns, the, turns away from the need, maybe because of even my own need and my own pain. God, give me the grace to see your body. Give me the grace to discern your body. And, and Lord, give me the grace to experience healing. Lord, forgive me where I've not discerned your body. Forgive me, Lord, where I've not seen you and people around me. Forgive me and give me opportunity. Hallelujah. Lord, like Zacchaeus, he went back and he repented and he gave sevenfold. Lord, if you give me the grace and the time, Lord, I want to be like Zacchaeus. I want to go out and lavish that love on those around me. I want to lavish that attention. I want to lavish that listening ear. Lord, I want to meet with those, Lord, who need to be met with. God, help me not to be too busy to discern your body and to sow into it and to pray for it and to love it. God, be with Court Church today. All of us here. Open our eyes. Help us to see the body. Help us to see those who need you. Help us to see those who are struggling in their faith. But Lord, they're here this morning and they, they maybe they feel alone and discouraged and they just need a grace, not a, just your presence, but they need a natural arm to come around them and to say, you're going to make it. I'm praying for you. God, make us that kind of church that will fight for one another. Hallelujah. And love one another passionately. Lord, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that we're not necessarily, we're not like this. But God, you want, we want you to expand our vision even more. Even more, Lord. May it be so here. May it be in my life. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name now. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.